All right, ladies and gentlemen, what is going on? Before we get into today's podcast, which is included uh, a special guest, uh, AJ Dana, who's an amazing actor, and we have a lot of great stuff we're going to talk about with him today. Uh, we want to give you a quick production update as to what's going on with our, our project right now. As you guys know, last week we did announce the project uh, on camera officially. Um, if you guys have been following us on social media uh, the, the week before that, we did announce the project that we are working on something. And so today we're just going to give you a brief update um since you know me and sammy are from uh you know he's in arizona right now and i'm here in california um we've been doing a lot of skype calling or texting each other as to where we need to go next with this project and the biggest thing right now uh that we're doing is of course uh we are wrapping up uh the script for episode two right now um it is pretty much over half done and um we're just really taking our time as to what we want to include in this film and how we want to uh revise it and and sammy right now is currently uh rereading and re uh revisiting and editing uh episode one and then from there we're going to go on episode three uh to start writing so that is really where we are right now in the whole process of this production um like i said it's going to take some time um we did have an original uh, layout as to how we wanted to do this but you know since with him working and me kind of doing um all the channels and stuff i mean stuff is kind of everywhere right now so um we don't have an expected date when we'll start production but uh we want to really take our time on this project and make it good for you guys so you guys can come back week after week to uh see the next uh the next chapter of horror uh evolve through the years so uh anything you want to add sam yeah, no, I think I, I just want to let you guys know that, you know, we're working really hard on this. We're working tirelessly on this. Um, you know, lots of thought and conversation is going into this. Um, because I think, like Tony had mentioned last week, you know, we want to make this the best thing we possibly can make this. Um, and, you know, we want to exceed your guys' expectations. Um, and with this, you know, without giving out too much detail, we want to make sure that we're, you know, we're diving in, providing you with as much content as possible. Um, but also making sure that you're not bored in it. You know, we want to make sure that as this, you know, as we get to a finished product, you know, whether that's our scripts and stuff, that we're keeping you, the viewers, in mind the entire time. Um, because we're not doing this for our own fun, although, you know, we both enjoy learning. Um, yeah. Um, I think we're doing this for you guys because we want to, you know, we want to give you guys a gift, you know, a token of our love, um, you know, as a token of our love, basically, you know, this project. Definitely. Uh, and it's a good way to educate anyone who uh, knows the horror world but wants to always expand their knowledge on it. Um, it, it is really fun to to do this project. So uh, we can't wait to share it with you guys. Uh, and we can't re wait to uh, release a trailer for whenever that is because we are very excited about this project. And we cannot wait to um, get the ball rolling on filming and stuff because I think it's going to be a fun time. We have a lot of uh, people involved in it and um, – a lot of uh, great people uh, helping out with it as well. So, uh, and we got a lot of support from other people that we've told about it. So that that's awesome. And especially in the times right now, it's just a good a good way to kind of keep us busy and keep us flowing with ideas and stuff like that. Um, of course, if you guys haven't seen uh, recently, uh, last week we released our. Um, uh, upload schedule for all three channels so go check that out if you guys have not seen that uh, for Nights of Horror Mad Slash Games and Cinema 101 uh, so yeah guys uh, so without further ado enjoy the podcast with uh, AJ it was a fun time filming and uh, we had a great time we always have a great time talking with AJ he's got a lot of interesting stuff he wants to share with you a lot of projects he's worked on and a lot of projects he is working on so definitely uh, um Stay tuned because we have a good podcast for you guys. All right, guys. Uh, we will see you guys uh, soon. Roll that intro. <laughs> Welcome to the Madhouse. It's time to get your fucking horror on, live from their dumpy little studio in beautiful Norwalk, California. It's the Mindless Horror Podcast with Sammy and Anthony. All right, what is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 92 of the Mindless Horror Podcast, The Road to 100. It has been quite a journey. Um, 
with quarantine, it's been a little bit harder to get uh, guests on the show, but we're making it work the best we can. And today we have an amazing guest on the show. He's been on the uh, on the show before on Character Appreciation Month. You may best know him as Reggie from the LA Haunted Hayride, an all-out talented um, actor, up-and-coming actor, and he's just been he's done it all from television to scare acting. Um, AJ has made a name for himself with upcoming with the, his upcoming event, Mysteries of the Raven Society, and available now for uh, purchase via audiobook or regular book. However, you uh, want to listen to it. If you want to hear AJ's amazing voice, I'd buy the audiobook though. So, um, but if you want to see that amazing art and storytelling as well, get the other book or get both. I mean, I'm gonna get both. So, Why not both? You know, get both. You know, get both. <laughs> you know. Um, Please welcome our guest, AJ. How you doing, my friend? Hello there. Doing very well. Awesome, man. Um, so let's get started with scary stories, man. I mean, this was uh, a book that I read growing up, and this has just been something that's been part of my childhood. When they when I found out they were making a movie about this, um, I was just genuinely excited, and it, it brought me back to a kid. And then um, I remember you sharing on your story on Instagram a uh, there someone someone was doing a tribute of terror uh, to scary stories, which I thought was a brilliant idea, um, and I was all for it for when I heard it because this really brought back me being a kid again. Um, being a, a, a huge this must have been a huge honor for you, man. So uh, since you and I are roughly around the same age. And and this series was big in our lives growing up, and you know every kid in, in our class probably had to read this book or have to have this book. Um, you know how how did it feel doing this tribute? Oh, it was huge. It was something that I something that really resonated with me when the tribute was released. There's a photo on their Instagram at Scary Stories Tribute of a couple of kids on a playground getting one of the stories from the tribute book read to them and the girl looks really nervous listening to the story <laughs> and it was really funny to think about how we obviously were scared in our generation by the original official scary stories books and then to be a part of something even just the audiobook version to that other kids are hearing now who maybe weren't necessarily raised with the same books was super cool and obviously Kurt and Shane the author and the illustrator have such a love for the original books like we do and so the way that they <laughs> were able to evoke that so successfully in their tribute book the style is it's nearly flawless it's it's exceptional so it definitely it's good to be a part of something that you know it, it was never lost on me that this is something that could reach the next generation to some extent and give them a similar reaction like we did, and that was super, super cool. Definitely. Not to mention, in light of the new movie that just recently came out, I mean, I guess that really sparked up this love for that franchise again. I mean, I remember when the movie got announced, um, I had to go out and buy the books again because it was just something that I loved reading as a kid. They were truly, I mean, even them for them being, you know, scary books, and there was a documentary about this as well, um, they were truly scary stories, man, and they were really like disturbing, and and they were really just, yeah, there you go, right Doc there, the documentary, <laughs> yeah. Um, it it was just truly, they were really scary stories for even for kids, and and I think that's what really made this series so popular is just because the way they they were written and and the way they were told and stuff, and when you would read them, it was just like you know you were put into this world, and I liked how they did that in the Guillermo del Toro movie, um, because. It was just like being in that world again, uh, much like this new book that just came out, uh, the tribute. It, I was really just set back into that world again, and I and I'm really looking forward to actually getting the hardcover copy and adding it to my collection with the other ones because I think it would fit so perfectly. Yeah, it's really great when you look at the three original books with the tribute book right next to it. Uh, like if you look at them all on one shelf, it fits in amazingly. Even just the cover, the meticulous detail they put into making sure every little thing was in the style of the originals. And I totally echo that sentiment. Growing up with these books was, it was the step after Goosebumps for a lot of kids. You know, Goosebumps is campier, yeah. which is totally fine. We love Goosebumps, mm -hmm. but Scary Stories was almost like, and the documentary talks a lot about it. Anyone, if you haven't seen the documentary, highly recommend it for anyone out there who hasn't seen it. Talks a lot about how it was almost forbidden fruit. There's a lot of people that are very against the scary stories to tell in the dark books. They're obviously much darker, a little bit gorier to some extent. Uh, and so I discovered the original scary stories books when I was in elementary school. There was one teacher in the upstairs classrooms. I was downstairs and after school, I would help one of the teachers for the older grades, like clean out her classroom at the end of each day, you know, like teacher's assistant thing. 
And I specifically remember she had scary stories to tell in the dark. Uh, first place I ever saw it was that classroom. And there's one illustration that stuck out of my mind. And I think you know which one when I say the girl, not the spider girl, the other girl with like the skeletal kind of face. Yeah. Uh, in, the, in the haunted house story. Yeah, yeah. And the incentive back then was if I would clean out the room, you know, in 10 minutes or whatever, I would get to look through scary stories to tell in the dark. So that was very my good deal. Exposure to it. Yeah. <laughs> very good deal. Exactly. Very good deal. <laughs> Yeah, I was really pleased when, you know, to know Kurt and Shane have done, done such an amazing job taking us back into that world, and the movie did as well. I, the makeup that they did on, I believe it was probably Javier Botet who played that that woman character from the book. It was really, really well done. I'm just happy that there's a resurgence of love for this franchise. Definitely. Definitely. And I, I think what I've appreciated is I, if I, as I took the time to research this project, knowing we were going to have you on the, the show, is that they, they, they did their time, they did their research, um, in writing this and creating the illustrations. Uh, um, they weren't just like, oh, let's write our own take on the sequel. They were like, let's write it as if we were the author and how his writing style is, which is all, which is very difficult in my opinion, obviously, to, to say, because we all have our own way of thinking sentence structure should look, how stories should be told, but saying, okay, let me look through the lens of the original author um, and let me pretend um, to write this, which, is, which I think is beautiful. Uh, in my own opinion, but let's let's talk about how you got involved in the project, AJ. Uh, how when did you uh, get locked into this? I seem to recall it was sometime around late last summer. I had initially discovered their website, which is had been teasing for a couple of years, and I was very much like you, noticing the small things they were matching. You know, like it already, it already. I don't know if this is the right word, but like it reeked of quality, like it reeked of the same. Uh, you know, energy of the originals. It just, it bled that kind of vibe. And I immediately set out to see who was involved with this. And I didn't know what capacity I could be involved in, whether it was just being a donor for the book, which I ended up doing as well on their crowdfunding, or, you know, I, I, I believe I had offered, like, do you guys need any sort of, like, voiceover for things? Like, I don't know, promos, you know, any sort of, you know, thing like that, just so I could help them out. Because they're giving us our their talents so i would like to give them what i can contribute uh and uh at the time i got in touch with them they had said absolutely we're going to be probably doing a couple of audiobook stories maybe you want to help out with that i said sure and then it became we're doing a full audiobook which was like nice. even better and uh yeah just a really amazing cooperative process like they had so many specific things they wanted you know wanted to sound in the book there's several distinct characters in the book that have voices that are described in there so to have them it was really cool. Like I just, they are very, Kurt and Shane both have a very specific vision, whether it comes to matching the original books or just from their own experiences with these stories of what they wanted. So getting involved pretty early on at that point was really exciting because I got to really hear, you know, more than just like, okay, read this. Like there was a lot that went into every character voice and the way certain sentences were read and they're just really high quality creators. And I'm really happy I got to work with them. Definitely. And I remember actually just recently talking to Kurt on uh, Instagram and he was saying that you were just a, a player for it all, man. You were just, you know, when when, you know, asked to you know do re-recordings re of certain parts or something that you were just on it. I mean, you would spend like 10 plus hour days just recording these and and you were just so um, on board with the project and so, you know, just ready and enthusiastic to do it and i think it's i think it's with that kind of attitude i mean when you're collabing with people it's just that's the attitude that you want right there that's the you know you just want to go in there with the most positive attitude and just you know think about you know how fortunate you are for these opportunities and i can clearly see that with you i mean you grew up reading these stories and and for them to to bring you on board and, and to be like okay we want you to be in a way, our narrator for these. We want you to, to read these books, you know, to people who want to listen to them. And I remember listening to a couple of them last night, just, you know, hearing the different voices that you can do and, and all that. And it was just legit. It just, it, it felt like a, a creepy camp story, you know, campfire story time. And, you know, I'm sitting in here in the dark, you know, cause that's the best way to read these books. You know, or listen to them, you know, you gotta, you gotta listen to them in the dark, you know, and I'm over here, I'm, I'm taking my notes, you know, breaking down each, uh, uh, story uh, just for my own pleasure just to kind of get an idea of maybe what I think each one talks about or something but just hearing you uh, listen to you uh, tell these stories man it, it really brings me back to grade school I mean when when teachers would tell the stories but with you it's a whole different thing because you're actually 
putting in the voices, you know, you're, you're bringing the story to life, which, you know, we don't get very many of these days. And, and I am very thankful for when I get to hear stuff like that, because it really, really puts me in the scene. It really puts me into the story. And I really get to like, kind of have that interactive with like, Oh my God, that just happened. I mean, I was, I remember reading, listening to one of the stories and I won't say what, because there's a lot of great stories in here and people need to hear them. Um, but one of the stories when you were telling it, and and, and kind of like the conclusion of the story, like I immediately was like detective. I was like, oh, that's going to happen next. And sure enough, you started talking and I'm like, oh, my God, that's just insane. And I was just freaking out, um, you know, listening to these. Um, so it, it really is an amazing thing. I mean, if you guys are fans of these books, you got to give this book a read or a listen um, or both, you know, read it or, you know, read it while you're listening to it. That's the best way. You know, you can read it and look at the pictures while AJ's re- uh, reading it to you. That's the best way to go. Um, speaking of, of these recordings, how long did, you know, everything total, you know, take to record? Because uh, he was mentioning 10-hour-plus days, but um, how many days or how many, you know, time did you put into recording all this? That's a really good question. I basically – I can't exactly keep track of how many days it was, but I can say I worked on it. Pretty much every day, there was definitely 10 plus hour days, especially towards the end. That was a pretty frequent occurrence. You know, there was a lot more that went into this one than your standard audiobook because it's all different stories that you, you have to kind of find a new groove for each story. It's not like you're just reading one thing straight through. There's all different characters and whatnot. I would say I worked on it pretty much every day from December to like February, like in different capacities. Like some of those days were more dedicated, you know, it was it was a very long commitment, but one that was, you know, fun because there was a lot of special communication with the authors and really good communication with them. I never felt like I was going at it alone. You know, it was definitely a, a team effort. And uh, it's really good to hear that it paid off for, for you guys listening to it, you know, cause a lot of it, we had a lot of discussions. We were very particular about, you know, obviously I'm a professional voice actor in the industry and there's certain things that you're taught to do for audiobooks and certain, you know, ways you can sell the story as the narrator too, like not necessarily just as the characters, but like a great example I heard one time was, uh, let's say the narration, the, the, the pair, the dialogue, uh, not the dialogue, excuse me, the action says, Matt sat down and took a sigh as he slumped into his chair. Well, there's two ways you can do that. You can say, Matt took a sigh as he slumped into his chair. Or you can say, Matt took a sigh as he slumped down into his chair. And you're kind of like going along with the action. Yeah, yeah. So with Scary Stories, we had a lot of conversations about like heightening the action through those kinds of, you know, kind of chiding you on as the narrator and building the suspense. And something that Kurt said that I thought was really, you, you said campfire stories, and this goes right along with that, is... Uh, Kurt said pretty much every last line of the stories needs to really sell it. Like you're sitting close with your friends and that last line is really what sells it. You know, things like that, which were (laughs) a lot of fun. So it was a, it was, it was a really fun thing to dissect. And I really enjoyed, I enjoyed that aspect. Definitely. I also want to definitely get both if you guys can. If you're out there, definitely get the print and the audiobook because the the pictures, as you know, the original Scary Stories books are like half the story too, you know? Oh, yeah. That's what made those books right there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So We remember the pictures just as strongly as we remember the stories. There's a PDF copy you can download while you listen along or a print copy, but either way, make sure you see those pictures. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And I think that's, uh, that's another thing they bring up in the documentary too is what made those books was those creepy pictures. Oh yeah. Did you have a favorite story the that you got to, you know, narrate in this one? That's a good question. Uh I would say probably the most fun story to perform was Mannequin. If yep. anyone out there is reading the book, Mannequin was a lot of fun. Mannequin had a little bit of a different vibe than the rest and that it was very the even the narrator takes on an almost like sarcastic or you know it's got a little more character to it than some of the other ones that are just spooky that one's like dark humor so that as a lot of them are like in the original book so mannequin was a lot of fun playing a couple different characters there kind of more laid back casual vibe to it but i also really enjoyed performing puppety hands and scrapbook which are two that you can hear for free on youtube in the samples puppety hands and scrapbook were lots of fun too 
Awesome. Yeah, and, and Mannequin was actually, and I won't say anything really about it, spoiler-wise, but Mannequin was one of the ones where, as you were reading it and as the events were going on, I, I, as it was going, I was like, that's going to happen next. And then <laughs> towards the end, sure enough, it happened next. And I was like, oh, my God, that is terrifying. Like, to, to hear that story, it really gave me – the best way I could put it is it really gave me the beginning of trick-or-treat vibes. Mm, yeah, kind I can of. totally see that. Yeah. Um, uh, just because that whole scene kind of was giving me like ideas like, oh my God, that kind of relates to that in a way. But, um, yeah, kind of bouncing off that question, since these books were heavily inspired by the originals, what was your favorite uh, story growing up from the originals? The one that definitely scared me like this one, it creeped me out. It, it put me into like existential horror in like third grade was Harold. Harold. Yeah, specifically like the last line of Harold. Yeah. And with the movie, they, they took a different approach with how that story ended. And I think it's totally fair given the, you know, even more family friendly nature of the film compared to the pushier elements of the books. That's one mm -hmm. of the things that made the book so controversial is that it leaned into pretty gnarly horror. And the movie did stray away from that in some ways, not others, but some ways. And I thought the way they handled it in the movie was really, really good. But that original ending to Harold. And if anyone out there has read Harold, let's say he's drying something in the sun. That's all I'll say. That part scared me so bad yeah. as a kid. The illustration was scary. The ending was scary. That freaked me out. But I also really liked the baseball one. I believe it's called The Bad News. It's a comedy story. Oh, and The Viper. The Viper is probably like one Viper's of my top three. One. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's – I think it's just something too, especially with admits of everything going on right now. I mean it's just a good a good way to pick up those books again. Uh, and read them, especially, uh, you know, getting the tribute book as well. And I can't wait to actually purchase a physical copy of it because um, it's something that I, I'm, I'm old school. I like to hold my books and I like to fill the pages and stuff and all Me that. Too. But um, I, I like I, I, it's something, especially on a day like this, where it's very gloomy outside. And um, it's something that just kind of pick up and, and read. Um and then after, since you're already in the mood of, you know, reading them all, you know, watch the film as well. I mean, I think what Guillermo del Toro did with that movie was, um, was really, I mean, he produced it and, you know, I'm always behind anything he does. I, I really like what he does and stuff. So when I found out that he was behind this movie, I was fully on board with it. I was like, he can't mess this up. I mean, this guy is known for doing practical effects and he did not disappoint one bit with those practical effects. Um, and, and on the lines of the movie, uh, what did you think of the overall, you know, relating to this? What did you think of the movie as well? I mean, how did you feel uh, it really adapted? How do, you, how do you think it did justice to the books? The practical effects were fantastic. There were so yeah. many sequences like the woman in the nightmare, the red room uh, sequence of the movie looked fantastic. The big toe was excellent. Uh, Meantime, yeah. Dodie Walker had an excellent voiceover that I believe was Fred Tattashore. He's fantastic in everything he does. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark movie, for me, just looking at the phrase scary stories to tell in the dark movie, I think I personally would have taken a little bit more of a goosebumps approach where when Sarah Bellow's book was open, all the stories came out. And, you know, the Goosebumps movie, something that, in my opinion, wasn't exactly my cup of tea in the Goosebumps movie was that a lot of the monsters were generic. They didn't seem to be tied into the books. And mm -hmm. I thought Scary Stories was a great opportunity to have a mass amount of monsters like pouring in on the town and they're all related to the book. You could have the giant skull that you do with the tiny little body chasing the man, the one that says, pardon me, is something wrong in the books. You know, it's characters like that yeah. would have made for really excellent little vignettes throughout the movie. And I was disappointed that there weren't more stories represented in the movie. But that being said, the ones that they did represent, they did beautifully. The 1960s aesthetic was awesome. The draft dodger subplot was really clever, a great way to integrate that with Mitai Doty Walker. I thought the movie was was very well done. I enjoyed it a lot in the theater, and I'm looking forward to seeing what else they can do with the sequels because it appears there there may be one coming with the ending setting that up. I know. I'm hoping either for a sequel to the movie or if they were to give us a show, I would even be down mm -hmm. with that as well. Would love you know? that. Absolutely. Would love that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, as someone who, who does, you know, narrating and does audiobooks. Who do you find inspiration from when, you know, as you enter in on these projects? Oh, that's a, that's another really good question. Uh, I 
personally, I don't listen to a whole lot of audiobooks <laughs> myself. I don't listen to, I, I'm very much like you guys where I like to physically hold a book. I don't really have much of a purpose for listening to audiobooks, except of course, if I'm learning, you know, from the masters on how to perform one, which is what I did here. We listened to a couple Stephen King audiobooks in preparation for this one. I can't think of the narrator offhand, but Stephen King audiobooks was definitely a little more the style we were going for. The original Scary Stories audiobooks are done by a very talented performer whose name escapes me at this moment, and I feel horrible about that, but I believe he was the heat miser in A Year Without a Santa Claus. He is a legendary voice performer, and his audiobooks are really, really good for the original Scary Stories books. But we had decided early on that for this particular tribute book, it is a little bit darker. It's definitely for adults, not really so much for kids. So the original audiobook was a little campier, so we kind of lean more towards Stephen King for the performance of this one, as great as the original audiobook is. Uh, and I learned from my friend Alex Knox, who is an up-and-coming audiobook performer who is excellent at what he does. I basically tapped into anybody I could who specifically works in the audiobook field. But, uh, yeah, hopefully that answers the question well enough. Definitely, <laughs> Definitely does. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you, if you look at a guy like, you know, Stephen King, who's written some terrifying stuff, too, and to hear his books get told as well, I mean... If you're getting inspiration from someone like that, I mean, I know I'm in good hands right there. I mean, just <laughs> listening to that, you know, I mean. And that um, was Kurt's suggestion. Kurt definitely had some good ideas for the direction he wanted that. Definitely. That's awesome, man. Uh, to, to really wrap up this portion of the podcast for Scary Stories, um, if they were to do a sequel for, for this book, would you be in it? Like, would you, be, would you love to be involved in it again? Absolutely. I would love to work with Kurt and Shane on anything they do, and especially if it was Scary Stories related. <laughs> Awesome, man. So Scary Stories, A Tribute of Terror is out now on their website. Go to their uh, website right now. I, I believe it's Scary Stories, a, a Tribute of Terror.com. I think it's Scary Stories Tribute.com. Tribute.com. Okay, Scary Stories Tribute.com. You can purchase the audiobook, which features AJ's voiceovers, which is amazing. Um, they have the audiobook with the with the visuals as well, and of course, they have the physical copy. If I were you, I would, uh, I you know, if you have the extra money, uh, buy both because it's it's awesome to not only uh, support an actor like AJ uh, and to hear his voice telling these stories, but also to see the illustrations that and 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 the you know the the words that they they written for this the time they put into this i mean you could tell it was a big um effort between everyone in this project and it and it's really paid off it's really brought me back to the you know me being a kid again and and reading these scary stories me being terrified as a kid and now as a as an adult i'm just loving everything that i'm reading everything that i'm hearing i mean just being a horror fan it's awesome and um uh, yeah so definitely uh if you guys can support these guys uh, purchase scary stories a tribute uh, of terror if you guys love the original books i guarantee you, you'll love this one um so moving on to the next big thing going up for uh, aj um so you have an event coming up and i i am really looking forward to this event when you were telling me about it early on um and we we've helped promote it a couple of times because i mean yeah, you're you're our friend, dude. I mean, I will do anything for you, man. I'll, I'll help you get to where you want to get. I mean, we've talked about this uh, before in the past, and um, you know, I, I think after seeing how you performed on this audiobook and how, and seeing you perform in person at the Hayride, I am very much looking forward to this next thing, and it is Mysteries of the Raven Society. And um, so tell us a little bit about this event, man. I mean, what, what really spawned this idea of this event? So first of all, thank you so much for those kind words. That really means a lot to me. Uh, oh, yeah. The Mysteries of the Raven Society, T-E-A, very good, is an expansion of a Witches Brew LA original event. Witches Brew LA is run by Jacqueline Danielle. She's had a handful of events, Witches Brew Marketplace, the Raven Society Marketplace event, an Egyptian seance, La Ofrenda. She has done a whole series of original events across Southern California. And for the next installment of the Raven Society, Jacqueline came to me and said, we're looking to create an immersive theater experience for the new one. We're looking to integrate more Edgar Allan Poe. Would you be on board to come down and write the immersive theater show for us. And having had experience in this field and the improvisation field, I was of course completely game to come help out. And now I'm serving as the show writer and co-producer for the experience. And it's gonna be a lot of fun. There's improv, there's magic, burlesque, variety performances. It's got a little bit of everything. 
Awesome. Yeah, well, I'm really looking forward to it, too. I cannot wait. Yeah. Looking forward to you guys there. Oh, yeah, definitely. And so you you said you're the show writer. So is it already all the way written through? Obviously, there's improv in there. Um, is it already been written all the way through? So Maybe with this the, particular... The with this particular experience, there is an overarching story that has a story arc, and there's elements for guests to figure out, and there's props and whatnot. And as the show writer, I've written about 95% of everything you see at the experience that is not the improvised segments. I created the characters, I cast the characters, wrote the props and letters and various things that you'll see that needed to be written for the experience. There's poetry, there's uh, all sorts of things that are both written literally and written as in the idea has been put forth. So uh, essentially think of the improv aspect as something along the lines of Ghost Town Alive or Midnight Falls. Uh, the show writer, in this case me, I wrote the overarching plot, I wrote the characters, I wrote their sample dialogue and all of their intertwining stories. And then in certain situations, it's up for the performers to interact with guests and kind of you know release that information that I've written to them. and improvised beyond that. So uh, there is a very large portion that will be improvised based on guest interactions and based on the things that you're discovering throughout the day, because there is a mystery to solve and there's various elements that will all tie together by talking to the characters. And we have a talented cast of alumni here that includes people from Ghost Town Alive, Shine On Collective, E3W, Fun Home, The Magic Castle, Hayride. There's people from pretty much all over the entertainment industry in this event, and I'm really grateful for that. And this is going to be wrapped around the Edgar Allan Poe universe, right? Yes. Okay. Because um, now, now you're telling me more about this, and now I'm getting more excited here because it's like you know me, man. I mean, you knew me <laughs> at Hayride, and now you know me. With now you got me invested into this, and, and you're adding the the aspect of Edgar Allan Poe, in which if you guys don't know Edgar Allan Poe's work, I mean, the guy is phenomenal dude the guy is, he, you know he's written some of the, the the darkest and the scariest you know uh, you know things of, of poetry and 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 short stories and it's just i remember in school i would be more interested in wanting to learn edgar Allan poe and we'd only get such a small section of him and i'd be so mad every time because i was like i'm getting into this like i want more edgar Allan poe and you know, I mean, I think he's such just such a, a unique writer. I mean, just the way he approaches a story, it's just it's always been interesting. Um, what uh, going into this, what were some of your uh, favorite stories from Edgar Allan Poe? Well, I think the one that sticks out in my mind first and foremost would be Mask of the Red Death. I've always been a big fan of Phantom of the Opera, and the Phantom of the Opera pulls a reference to Edgar Allan Poe's Mask of yeah. the Red Death, and that story. I uh, love the visuals that are suggested by that story, of course. I really like the Telltale Heart. I grew up reading a little comic book of the Telltale Heart. I think that was probably my first exposure to Edgar Allan Poe. I had a little book of Raven, the Raven and other poems in school. And the thing that makes this experience different than just the literal adaptation of Poe stories is that the overarching story is about a professor. We released this information to Haunting.net a couple weeks ago, so I'm free to talk about it now, that Professor Alexander Holbert, who founded the Raven Society, he is a professor at Bailey University in Pennsylvania, and Professor Holbert is also an author of the Poe Forevermore sequel book series that are, they are stories that are proposed sequels to famous Edgar Allan Poe stories. So within the world of the Raven Society story, you're going to meet characters who revere Edgar Allan Poe, much like you and I do, but you're also going to meet less self-aware characters who are directly inspired by stories that Poe wrote. So you're going to nice. see a little bit of both characters from Poe stories, characters who like Poe stories, and one of the main overarching themes is inspired by things that happened in Edgar Allan Poe's life. So a lot of it is combining the nonfiction as well as the fiction elements. It's always good to bring both worlds together as well, too. I mean, just to get some some realism into there as well as the work of fiction and to kind of just bring this world together and, and just have fun with it. Um, another question I have for you is um, since you, you explained that we're going to have like a live cast and everything in this and, you know, there's going to be a lot of interactivity in this in this uh production uh what can we other than you being the the co-producer and writer of this will you be taking part in anything of acting i won't say <laughs> nope. can't get him out of him can't get nope. it out of him uh <laughs> so you have to attend the event if you're going to find out that's that's yes, a good uh, way to do that the event. there are still many many things that have not been divulged yet that you are definitely in for a treat <laughs> 
This is like a Marvel movie. We can't get any information out of them, man. <laughs> <laughs> no information whatsoever. Um, so with that, did we lose Sammy? Did Sammy? Did we lose Sammy? I think we lost Sammy. <laughs> Sammy's frozen. <laughs> I think we lost Sammy. Oh man, that's he's just, just he's doing a staring contest and he's winning. <laughs> AJ, go for it, staring contest, go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh wait, um, how uh, how many people are going to be allowed into this experience? So that depends on the ticket package that you purchase. There are several different options for attending the event. There is a ticket package for just the marketplace, which is obviously a, a fairly large number of people. And at this point, I can't comment on the exact number of people as we may need to cut it down with COVID restrictions, nor do we know if everything is still going to stay as it's planned right now due to how that unfolds the next couple of months. But mm -hmm. I will say it is definitely a boutique experience. If you're not just on the marketplace experience, if you purchase a ticket that includes the tea party, it is a limited number of people and it's timed entry. The tea party is where most of the immersive theater action happens. You'll have an hour with tea and desserts and mini cocktails. And within that hour, there's a little stage with a gazebo and there's gonna be entertainment on stage. All of that is in universe. There will be improv and magic and dancing and all sorts of things during that tea party, which is a hard ticket timed entry part of the experience. And if you're particularly keen in your interactions, a very, very small number of people will be selected for an exclusive seance inside the 1898 Kellogg house. And that is even smaller number than the tea party. So the people who get closest to solving the mystery or are highly interactive may be treated to an additional boutique experience at the event. That is awesome, man. It it really does want make me want to put on my Batman cowl and go in there, man. Because <laughs> I love a good I love a good mystery, man. It's that's really fun. Um, as far as date and uh location of the event, what when what when exactly is this happening, and and where exactly do you know exactly where in Los Angeles this takes place? I do. At this current moment, for the schedule that we have right now, the date will be August 9th. And the location is the Heritage Museum of Orange County, which is a great venue that has historic houses and gardens and a nature walk. And it's in Santa Ana, and it's a fantastic place that I'm really grateful we get to use. So Heritage Museum of Orange County. August 9th, man. In very close. It takes place in Pennsylvania. <laughs> August 9th, man. Very close to my birthday. I like that a lot. All right. Yeah. Happy birthday. All right there. Um. What really drew you to uh, Edgar Allan Poe, man? I mean, what really, what really kind of spawned this kind of whole thing? I mean, I know that they do the events, but really, what really motivates you? What really made you like? What motivated you to kind of, you know, get to writing and get going on this, really? Well, I got to hand it to Jacqueline for creating the Edgar Allan Poe concept. That was definitely yeah. the Raven Society was Jacqueline's idea initially. We did the first one in November, and I was the event host there for what you consider a little workshop for what the, the later show would become. And yeah. using that as a jumping point, the elements that really connected with me personally as an artist, as a writer, as a creator, are the elements of Edgar Allan Poe's life that aren't exactly tied into his stories. You know, the, the thing that provided the jumping point here primarily is what happened towards the end of his life and the false obituary that was written about him after he died. There is a very strong, prominent case of character assassination that happened with Edgar Allan Poe and that storyline and what defines madness, quote unquote, is really something that drove the story of Mysteries of the Raven Society to come to fruition was not just looking at the stories, but primarily what happened to Edgar Allan Poe in his life. Definitely. I mean, the guy from you know movies i've seen from things that i've seen i mean he's he's kind of lived a interesting life really i mean the guy i mean he's you know he's been through it all really and and his really his work shows you that you know i mean uh, and and it really i think i think it's i don't think people really understand that his work is more than just a horror story there's more there's more around it than actually a story you know i mean and it's probably based on events that he's experienced in life that he's just kind of made into just more of a literature point of view, which I think has always been interesting about Edgar Allan Poe. Absolutely. Um, I mean, his early life is filled with tragedy between his mother dying at a very young age. I mean, it is presumed he may have been there to literally watch her die. And he yeah. was 
no older than 10 at that point. You know, he's he's really seen it all. Reading a biography of Edgar Allan Poe, like a, like, a, like an actual book biography, has been really helpful for me, too, in this experience, because you get to see where these ideas and emotions came from that he was capable of portraying in his fiction. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, there, I, I had a, a very unique experience. Uh, I had spent some time in D.C., and I went on down to the University of Virginia. Obviously, that's where he went to school um, for some time. It was really interesting that people to be like, okay, like Edgar Allan Poe walked the same <laughs> streets that I got to walk. Yeah. Um, and you really kind of think, like, try to think of, you know, as he was writing these stories and writing, uh, you know, poems and all these other various things, like how, you know, your, your environment really can dictate on how, how your writing style is and your, your experiences. Absolutely. And his life is one that's filled with such interesting locations like, you know, Virginia, Washington, D.C., Boston, Pennsylvania. There are all these really, really old providences that we've heard in our history lessons, you know, and places you can still walk, places you can still look around and see the things he would see, the houses he's lived in, his various grave sites. And I think that's really quite fascinating, especially in his story, is that a lot of the stuff he saw that influenced him is something that's still accessible. And that's one reason I wanted to set the Mysteries of the Raven Society story in Pennsylvania as one of the locations that was home to Edgar Allan Poe at some point and a, a place of great history that, you know, the Heritage Museum of Orange County portrays brilliantly as such an old place and it gives you that feeling of stepping into another time and when we read Edgar Allan Poe when we visit places that were important to him that feeling of stepping into another time is the same feeling I hope our guests will get at the Heritage Museum of Orange County definitely so before uh you know I mean getting to that event is there filming allowed that depends on which section we're talking about. There will not be filming in the seance, if you're selected for that. There will okay. be filming throughout the marketplace, and I certainly hope that during the tea party there will be filming permitted. I'll have to talk to Jacqueline a little bit more about that, but uh, we would definitely like for it to be documented for posterity, because this definitely. particular chapter of the Raven Society will only happen one day, August 9th. Yeah. As of now, August 9th. <laughs> No, yeah, and the whole the whole seance thing I can completely understand. That's a that's an experience of its own, and that should be held secret. I mean, if people want to review it, that's a whole different thing. But I think it won't be the same. I mean, you could tell the story, but it won't be the same unless you've actually witnessed it. You know what I mean? And it's there's one, also it's one of those. Yeah, there's also real seance. There's a, part of it is a real seance happening with Zachariah the yeah. Witch, who's a real medium we're using, and each person in the seance will not only be seeing something related to the fictional story, but also he will be reading from real people at the table. So again, blending fiction with nonfiction, you will be receiving actual psychic readings during that session as well. That is awesome, man. I, I'm really looking forward to that. That looks cool. Um, sounds terrifying to me. It sounds terrifying <laughs> to Sammy, man. Um, but it sounds great. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you can't go on without mentioning Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, one of the things that happened at Not Scary Farm one year was, of course, the Forevermore maze. Um, did you ever go through that? And if you did, did you have any favorite scenes through that? I did go through Forevermore. I believe I only went through it once. I remember being horribly disturbed by the black cat scene. The sounds were awful in the best <laughs> way, of course. I mean, it was it was terrifying. It was well done, and it, it upset me quite a lot. Uh, I left the maze remembering the cat sounds and being like, wow, that was very uncomfortable which is the point in an experience like that. So they did a good job. But I remember, yeah. I believe it was probably Cask, uh, where you were walking down a very long hallway and you could, you were like almost descending, like in the story, it felt as yeah. though you were descending and hearing the narration of the Poe stories and walking through that dimly lit hallway with the lanterns was really quite exceptional that I really enjoyed what I do remember from walking through Forevermore. Definitely. I think that was an experience that really brought the work of Edgar Allan Poe to life and more of like they mixed like of course you know the 1800s and stuff with more like today you know what i mean like they really mixed the time periods really well i mean i think i, I forget i think it was uh forget which one but i remember at the end you end up in a dance party and it's more of a modern day dance party i think that was for mask of the red death yeah yeah it was more of like a modern like edm kind of dance party but they really told the story of, of that, you know, and, and it was really cool to see that kind of work of fiction meet modern day, you know what I mean? Which is, it, it was a huge, you know, a huge kind of thing, especially with today's generation who don't know Edgar Allan Poe and who really just, you know, 
if you're going into this the first time just hearing about Edgar Allan Poe, this is a good way to kind of introduce that generation to Edgar Allan Poe. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I did appreciate the way they did that. The Mysteries of the Raven Society also takes place in modern times, even though it won't be as clearly modern, because in the world of the story, the Raven Society is a group of people who live to bring the past to life. So it yeah. will seem as though it is, you know, back in the day, because that's the goal of the Raven Society, but it also takes place in the modern world. There are elements that will factor into that. And I agree, it's just like off of what you said, that's very much the point of the Raven Society in the story is to inform the younger generations of essentially, I don't want to say what they're missing out on, but it may seem as though the world is changing rapidly and we're just kind of getting sucked up into it, uh, you know, an evolve or die situation. And the Raven Society exists to combat that, to keep... Yeah. IT and art and creativity and writing alive and, you know, getting dressed up and situations like that are what the Raven Society in the story aims to provide. And many of our guests at the first Raven Society also ditched their modern world clothing and showed up in their best Victorian attire and dressing up is highly encouraged. It's definitely an afternoon to take part in something that feels as though you're leaving 2020 behind. Definitely. No, I, I am really – now that you've told me more about this event, um, it's awesome. Also, it's actually going to – there's going to be a tea party, which I think is awesome. Um, and there's, you know, cocktails, desserts. I mean, I think this is this is awesome, dude. I mean, especially me. I mean, I love to have a good drink every now and then, so I can have me a nice little cocktail and, and really get down to the mysteries of things, man. I'm going to be holding it all fancy and stuff and really eyeballing <laughs> everybody in the room and – and having my thinking cap on, and me and Sam are going to be in the corner whispering to each other, like, "Who do you, what do you think's going on here, man? What's going on here?" That is what I love to hear. I'm so excited that you guys are getting involved. That that is hopefully something that, very much like Ghost Town Alive, the more interactive you are, the more you talk to the characters and learn about their stories, the more you're going to really experience what we've all created collectively. And I'm super happy to hear that. Definitely. I mean, it was it was through you that you actually informed us about this uh, event, and I remember reading more about it. And I just read I read your recent interview uh, that you had, you know, recently talking about the event, and that really kind of pumped me up for more. And talking to you in person about it now is really getting me excited about the event. Um, but for people who are interested in going to the event, uh, AJ, where can people find tickets for the event right now? Yes, that would be through the Witches Brew website or the Witches Brew social media. Their social media is at the Witches Brew, and their website is witchesbrewla.com. Awesome. Um, so August 9th, 2020 is now the uh, postponed date that they changed to because uh, with, with everything going on in the world right now, um, we're kind of on a day-to-day -day basis as far as um, – what's going on and stuff so everybody please stay quarantined so those events like this can happen um you know let's let's do our part in social distancing and and you know take our part and and keeping safe with you know what's what's going on because you know a lot of stuff you know amidst right now is getting canceled and it's very it's very depressing times and i would hate to see something like this get canceled because there's a lot of hard work and dedication going into this and it sounds like a very fun time um and i, I really want to experience something like this I mean, I've already been disappointed so far this year because I didn't get to experience two conventions. So this is something that I need. This is something that I got to experience. If I'm going to ex – I need to experience at least one horror thing this year. This is going to be it, man. I have to really check this out. From what AJ has told us, I'm already sold. I, 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 when I get paid, I'm going to buy my tickets, and I, I think I just – I can't wait to go. I really do. Um, AJ – you are such a talented person, and thank you for coming on to our uh, podcast. I mean, from the very first time we've talked to you, which was uh, after L.A. Haunted Hayride for Character Appreciation Month, you came down to the studio, sat with me for about an hour, and we talked a little bit about Reggie, which I think I could see him in the background right there. Is that Reggie? That is an unused Reggie face that was gifted to me by somebody from the makeup department, Pip Riddle. She is super, super sweet, and that was her gift to me on the closing weekend. Nice. Reggie lives on, man. Reggie lives on. Um, but from meeting you and talking to you about L.A. Haunted Hayride to now, I mean, um, I hit you up this week. I'm like, hey, man, want to be on the podcast and everything? And then you're like, yeah, for sure. And, you know, we, we started discussing what we were going to talk about. And I think the two topics we brought up today were uh, the great topics, of course, because 
me reading the scary stories, which I'm going to continue listening to and, and, and reading and stuff. Um, I, I'm just hooked on it. And, you know, if I can do at least a couple every night just to, until I finish it, uh, and hearing you narrate it is awesome. Um, just kind of just sit on my couch and I just let him go and play, which is the best thing to do, um, has been a, a blessing and just awesome to hear you. It's cool to watch you grow in this industry. Um, like I said, me and you being the same age, I mean, it's cool that, um, you're growing, you're getting your name out there and, uh, you know, things are working out for you, man. I know, I know times are tough right now, but, um, it's still awesome to watch you be you and do you and go out there with the positive attitude you do. That's what we need right now in all of this. And uh, Mysteries of the Raven Society is going to be – sounds like it's going to be an amazing event, man. I am really looking forward to this. I cannot wait for this. Um, so get your tickets now for that because that's something you don't want to miss out, a one-day-only event, something you don't want to miss. You want to be there for that. Um, AJ? Any final words or thoughts or any comments you want to add uh, leaving this podcast? Well, I would like to say thank you very much for those kind words. That really means a lot to me, Anthony and Sam. Thank you so much for having me on today. Looking forward to seeing you at Mistress of the Raven Society. And oh, be yeah. careful when you're listening to your Scary Stories audiobook. Leave your door locked or else Amber Jean may want to show you her scrapbook. That was creepy. <laughs> and for those of you who haven't listened to it yet... You will know soon. <laughs> so I got a question. What if my door doesn't have a lock? Oh, I'm sorry. You're screwed. <laughs> I'm screwed. I'm screwed. The office doesn't have a lock. However, the other two doors leading out to the garage and the outside area do. So eh, who you knows? should be safe for now. I'll be all right. I'll be all right. <laughs> no. It's like um, you don't have any weaponry in there. I know, right? I got, pretty cougar claws. I got the claws. I got, I got knives everywhere. I have a knife collector as well. I'll be all right. I'll be good. I've prepared <laughs> for this. I've prepared for this. Um, AJ, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Um, and uh, we look forward to seeing what, what future projects you come up with. And we look forward to uh, seeing you over at Mysteries of the Raven Society. Um, it's going to be a fun time, man. And like I said, everybody just do their job and, and, and social distancing and self-quarantine so we can make events like this happen. Um, especially if it's only for one day. We really want to... Uh, to bring this to life and we want to see this how this plays out because um yeah i'm very excited for this so aj thank you so much for being on the show today and i hope you're doing okay i hope you're staying safe during this hard time uh and uh yeah we, we we're just very thankful uh to have you on again man it's been a pleasure thank you so much guys stay safe stay healthy awesome so that is going to do it for the miles for podcast episode 92 on the road to 100 um and uh, be sure to tune in next week. We're going to have TLEV Media on the show. We're going to be talking with them a little bit. And uh, should be fun to catch up with those boys. Uh, we, have, we always have a fun time with them. So thank you so much for everyone to watching. Uh, stay safe out there. Stay quarantined. Uh, social distancing. All that fun stuff. Uh, don't go too insane. That's why we make content like this. So you guys don't go insane. And uh, Wait, we'll don't go insane? <laughs> don't go insane. <laughs>